Well, you, you know what this, uh, this time of year means. It means that uh, you can go out driving at night or early, early in the morning, like I did this morning, and, and find lights. I'm glad that as I was going out early this morning in Redmond uh, that the people that I was driving by real slowly at their house, they, they weren't awake watching me. They'd get apparently a little freaked out. But this is, these are actual houses in my neighborhood in Redmond. Uh, go on to the next one, Josh. Um, uh, there's Santa uh, pulling a, um, uh, I think it's a water skiing Santa. I don't know, go to the next one where we'll see a snowman, uh, some of the sights of the season, one more. Uh, I like this one. There's just a lot of lights. Uh, I didn't have to drive too far before I saw that one and said, that's where I want to go take a picture. But my favorite one was right across the street from my house. There are, there's a family of believers that uh, put up a little manger scene and a and a uh, star above their door. It's, it's wonderful to see the lights, amen? But have you ever stopped to think of what Christmas would be without lights? Uh, you know, I, I used to uh, live in Fresno, California, and Fresno was one of these cities that would have something called Christmas Tree Lane, or sometimes they're called Candy Cane Lanes, where literally a, a, like a mile worth of, of a street, everyone would decorate their houses. They'd spend thousands of dollars on all of these lights and decorations, and, and some of them would actually probably pay uh, hundreds and hundreds of dollars in electricity bill for December, and, and literally the whole town w- would take like 10 different, you know, over a course of 10 days to to drive down these streets looking at all of the brilliant lights. I I loved that. Uh, When I got to my own house, the first time I was out on my own was down in central California, and and I was so excited uh, that first December because I got to put up lights for the first time at my own home. And once I got them up, I mean, it was a small home, but it was an extensive project. I, I was like, you know what? If I don't take them down this year, I don't have to do this again next year. So I actually thought it was brilliant. I would keep up the lights all year round. And if somebody accused me of being lazy, which I was, I would just tell them, no, no, I just want to keep Christmas all year round. My dad did this, actually. He had, uh, he had done such a great job with those big bulbs on his house one year that he decided he could not do any better. He was going to leave it up, and that way, if he had pizza delivery, he'd just tell the pizza guy, look for the house with the lights, and they'd be able to find him in that dark neighborhood. And for those of you who have been around for a while, you remember that we, we do a drive-through nativity, which, by the way, thank you for those who have signed up. I still need some sign-ups for that to be able to happen, and we're not doing it on the 13th anymore. We're going to give ourselves another week to get it all prepared, so we're going to be doing it on uh, Sunday the 20th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. If you'd like to sign up for that, give me a call, uh, throw me a line on, on email, and I'll let you know how to sign up for that. You can go on our website, and uh, you can find a, a place to do that as well. But some of you remember, um, we used to do that, and all of a sudden, one year, a gigantic star with literally like 17,000 lights on it just appeared, uh, thanks to one of our elders. And, and, and boy, that drew people. Oh my God. They, they'd see this thing from over a mile away, and they, they'd say, I, I want to know what that is. And they were drawn to the light. You guys, you guys remember that? People are drawn to light. There's something significant about light. Um, it's an integral part, then, of the celebration of Jesus coming into this world. I want, I want to read to you from John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1 begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood or overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That would be John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him, John, all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Today begins our Advent season, a time of preparing our hearts to celebrate the true light that has dawned on this world. And as you can see, as you look around, our decorating team this year decided that they wanted a white Christmas. And I'm glad because they they thought it it was time after a particularly rough year to have refreshment and renewal and washed clean. And I thought that's a perfect, that's a perfect name for our Advent series this December to, to be looking at a white Christmas and, and looking at different things in Scripture that are white that we can celebrate because the true light has come into this world. And so the first one I want to look at is that light itself. As I said before, Christmas without lights would be strange. Can you imagine what your neighborhood might look like if no one decided to put up any kind of light displays in front of their house? Or if there were no displays of lights at the stores? Imagine going out and chopping down an evergreen tree and bringing that dying tree into your living room and not putting lights up. People would come in and go, what's going on here? Why do you have a dying tree in your house? Kind of odd. Um, More importantly, so could we do without lights around Christmas time? But a more important question for believers is, could we do Christmas without the light, the light of the world, Jesus the Christ, our Messiah? Let's say that all of the trappings of the winter solstice celebration, December 25th, were right here in our midst. Let's say that the world embraced the message of peace and joy and warmth and family, but there was no Jesus. It seems like the world is sure trying to do that more and more each year. The commercials, the, the movies on TV, they all focus on the feelings of, of warmth and, and, and giving during this time, which is great, but they miss the point. Our culture is distancing itself far away from the real meaning, and as we push Christ away from any connection with Christmas, Christmas. So what if we didn't do all the trees and the, the, the trappings, the, the decorations, the presents, the, the jingle bells, the silver bells, the sleigh bells, and all of those other bells? Let me ask you this. Would the fact that we have found the true light that gives light to the entire world, wouldn't that bring us an even better kind of joy and peace and warmth? If we did not have December 25th, the winter solstice, could we still celebrate? Would we still have the light if we didn't have the lights? Listen to what Isaiah the prophet said. In Isaiah 60, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and the glory, his glory will be seen upon you. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor, brightness, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. That prophecy was given to the Israelites as they were coming back from exile from the land of Babylon. They they were headed back to Jerusalem to, to repopulate the land. But while the people of God were in exile there in Babylon, before they came back, we have men like Daniel, who would introduce to the courtiers of of Babylon and then to, to Persia later on in his life, they would introduce the Hebrew scriptures to those people, wise men who were always interested in the prophecies of the people that they had conquered, hoping to retain some political connections for future events. That happened over 500 years before Jesus was born. 500 years, the astrologers and the courtiers of the eastern lands would have been watching the skies for prophetic signs. Pastor Andy began our time today reading from Matthew chapter 2, which has become a very familiar story told this time every year. The story of the wise men, or or the magi, or perhaps magi, because it comes from the Greek word magoi, um, the, the, the visit of them to the newborn king, searching out, following a star, a light, to find the newborn king. Even the star that they were following had been prophesied. Back in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, a man named Balaam, who was a pagan prophet, had seen this faint vision of a great leader that would arise one day in Israel. And in Numbers 24, we read his words, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. And so they set out on their journey, these wise men. Now, why some of us actually call them kings comes from a prophecy from Psalm 72, where King Solomon speaks of how the kings of Tarshish and the kings of Sheba and Seba will present him gifts, bringing tribute to him. Now, there are some facts that might kind of mess with your mind this year about the wise men that, that I, I'd, I'd love to share with you. It might surprise you. Number one, <clears throat> we have no idea how many wise men there were. Okay, We don't know. Um, we, we, th- we say there are three because there are three gifts, but usually these people would actually travel with an entourage. And if they were carrying gold and, and precious uh, gifts to bring to a newborn king, they would have definitely had bodyguards and servants. And so that some scholars believe that there might have been 20 or 30 of these uh, uh, people moving uh, all together as one looking for this newborn king of the Jews. Um, Number two, like I said, they, they actually were not kings. The, the term Magoi uh, really indicates more like a sorcerer astrologer who would search for signs in the sky and try to fathom deep truths about uh, the, the uh, life on earth and the future through divination. And number three, they were late. 
They were late. They, they actually, even the way that we depict it on our drive through nativity, we have the, the, the wise men right there with the shepherds right there at the manger, but they did not show up at the stable. They, they might have been at least two years late showing up. You know, I heard a story about a family that was uh, driving to a Christmas function one evening, and they, they passed by the, uh, the Anglican church in their town, and the, the Anglican church had a little uh, manger scene set up there with Mary and Joseph and, and the baby in the manger, and a little, little boy was watching and goes, Oh, Mommy, what's that? And Mommy said, Well, that's Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus. And he goes, Oh, that's, that's cool. About, about six or seven blocks down the road, they passed by the Methodist Church. And the Methodist Church, their display included the wise men seeking after the star. And the little boy said, well, who are those guys? And mom said, well, those are the wise men. They're looking for the baby Jesus. And the little boy said, well, I don't think that they're very wise because Jesus is down at the other church. They're not going to find him here. Now, what we do know about all of these things, these latecomers, was that when they did arrive, that day has become a celebration in the Christian calendar year. It's known as Epiphany. And actually, many, many scholars believe that Epiphany, the arrival of the wise men, has actually been celebrated in Christendom far longer than even the Christ Mass on December 25th has been celebrated. And some people actually throw in Jesus' baptism and his first miracle in the celebration of Epiphany. Now, I love the word and the concept of Epiphany. What is an epiphany? Well, an epiphany is an aha moment. When you realize something, that it just strikes you like light bulb, like the light goes on. In fact, that's exactly what the Greek means, epiphano. It means to appear or to give light to. We, we read of this phenomenon um, in a story surrounding the birth of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' uh, family had relations um, that were a man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And, and they were barren. They, they were older in age. They could not have children. Zechariah was a priest, and it was his turn to go into the temple to minister before the Lord. And as he went there, he saw an angel who promised Zechariah that Elizabeth, his wife, was going to have a baby. And that this baby was going to be the precursor, the, the, the one that would prepare the way for the Messiah. Zechariah did not believe this because he was old. His wife was old. They could not have babies. This was not going to be a natural occurrence. So he doubted the angel. And the angel said, because you doubted me, you're not going to be able to talk until the baby is born. For nine months, Zechariah stayed in silence, probably thinking about what he would say once he was being able to speak again. And as soon as John was born and they gave him the name John, immediately Zechariah was able to speak. And what he says was a prophecy about his own son, John, who would be known as John the Baptizer later on in his life. He says in Luke chapter 1, he says, You, my child, prophesying about his own son, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to epiphano. To epiphany. To shine 
on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death. The rising sun will come to Epiphano to shine on those who live in darkness. In other words, the angel was saying to Zechariah, and Zechariah was now prophesying that his son, his whole job would be to point people to the Messiah. Folks, that's our job as well. Did you know that? story that I've told before is the story of a little girl who had a part in the Christmas play at church, was all excited, told her mama that she had the main part. So mom kind of figured she was going to be Mary. The, the, the night arrived, everybody gathered around, they, they watched the pageant, and sure enough, there was not, the, the little girl was not playing Mary, another little girl was playing Mary. So the mom thought, well, maybe she's going to be the angel. Well, the angels came out, and her daughter wasn't there. She was wondering, how did she have the lead part? I have not seen her yet. And all of a sudden, right when the Magi were coming in to this part of the story, the little girl showed up and she had this big cardboard cutout of a star that she had her face in. And the the star was all wrapped in in aluminum foil. And she stood up on on a chair, didn't have one thing to say. She was just doing this brilliantly smiling, beaming from ear to ear, just shining this, this star. On the way home, after the, the pageant was through, she said, Mom, did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see I had the, the main part? And she said, Honey, yeah, I saw you, but, but I don't see how you were the main part. She goes, I was the one who was showing people how to get to Jesus. See, that's, that's what you and I are supposed to be doing, is showing people where the light is so that they can find the right answers in the right place. The the wise men, they were confused. They had seen the star when they were in the east. Now the star did not, if you read it carefully, the star did not lead them to Jerusalem. But it would make sense that as they saw the star and knew that there was going to be a king born in Israel, the best place for them to go look for the king would be in the political center of Israel which would be Jerusalem. So they show up and they say, we saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. Well, great. Uh, You're looking for the right thing, but you're looking in the wrong place. Don't people do that today? They know that there's something missing in their life. And so they look to some kind of government system or economic system to find the answers for what is missing in their life. And they get there, and the political people have no clue what they're talking about. Just like the political people really don't know what they're talking about today. Now, when it comes to true answers, real answers. And so they, they then consult with the religious leaders, and it seems like they don't know either. And that's what happens in our world today. People recognize that sometimes that emptiness is a spiritual emptiness. And so they begin to seek out some kind of spiritual answers. Where is God? What's he doing? Why do we have such agony in this world? And we begin to look uh, for answers through religious systems. But when those religious systems do not have the power of God behind them, then they're just as futile as the, the political systems are. Everyone now is confused in Jerusalem. Finally, they consult the scribes and the priests who consult the scriptures. And they find that there, in their scriptures, in the book of Micah, was prophesied in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's where your king's going to be born. Ding! 
light goes on, epiphany, yay. It's interesting that when you want to find the real answer, you've got to go to Scripture. You've got to go to the Word of God to see what He has said. This is where you will find the answer. Church, in order to find the light, it's, it's one thing to know where to look for that light. But I find it intriguing that even after they seek for the answer. God, God told us in Jeremiah 29 that you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The wise men were seeking with all their heart. The religious leaders weren't. They saw where in the Bible where it was supposed to be. They gave the answer to the wise men. And then as the wise men left them, not one of these religious leaders said, can I go with you? They said, oh, well, here, here's your answer. We know the answer. Bye. See, they did not want to pursue the answer. They, didn't, they weren't seeking. They were maybe seeking knowledge, but they were not seeking a relationship. They were not seeking God with all their heart. It's like those old G.I. Joe cartoons that, that once something was known, they'd say, now I know, and knowing is half the battle. Any, anybody remember those? And knowing is half the battle. You got it, Rob, right? So the religious leaders, they, they had half the battle. They knew. But they didn't do a thing about it. It was only the wise men that understood that the battle was only half won. And so they turned their faces towards Bethlehem, where the scriptures had told them that the king would be. And it was then, folks, you can go and look at this. It was then and only then that we read that the star reappeared. The star appeared to them again and now led them to Bethlehem to where the child was Verse 9 says in, in Matthew chapter 2, it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Folks, the promise of God is if you truly want to find the light, if you want to have your epiphany, Turn your face towards the path that has been lit up by the scriptures. And God promises he will take you the rest of the way. So when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Now it's beyond, beyond question. The fact that they worshipped the fact that they brought gifts that would honor a king in both life and in death, the fact that they would actually offer incense, all of these things show the truth of their discovery there in that home. The light shone, and they saw clearly who this newborn king of the Jews was. He was really the king of the world, the king of the universe. He was the son of God. A few weeks ago, we talked about being a city on a hill, and, and the importance of light. We saw how light um, clarifies things. It, it brings comfort and security to circumstances. It, it allows us to see the right path. Folks, today, I want you to understand that the Christmas light is no different. The answer to what mankind has been searching for from the very beginning is a reconnection to the source of life. So it's only when we find our way to the light that light, Jesus, who has come into the world, that we can come out of the darkness of ignorance, of sin, of shame, of wickedness, so that we can find our way to the truth. Now, I'm not sure 
really how significant that next verse, verse 12, is. But after the wise men worship the Christ child, after they have worshiped and come to the light, I want you to see this. They are then given a dream. Pastor Andy read about this. They are given a dream by God to not go back the way they had come from. Why? Because we find out later on that Herod is actually wanting to kill the child out of jealousy. So they were told by God in a dream to not go back to Herod. Now here's what I find really intriguing. Why didn't God just tell them in a dream before they even showed up to Bethlehem that that's where the Christ child was? Why did they have to follow the, the, the studies of the star? Why did they have to go to Jerusalem? Why did they have to search the scriptures and then follow the star to Bethlehem? Why couldn't God have just told them in a dream? Wouldn't that have settled a whole lot of things, made a lot of things less complicated? Just give them a dream, God. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that it really could have been that it was only after an encounter with the light of the world, only after they came into the light of the world, the presence of the light of the world, that they could now have a communication, a personal communication with God. Up until then, God used other things to guide them. But when they came to the light, when they came to the manger, when they saw the baby, all of a sudden God says, yes, now I can talk with you. Now I can have communication with you directly because you have come to the light. See, that's why we celebrate light this year as we study the objects of white Christmas. Because when we were told this in the New Testament, that Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the light that lights the path to the source of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, we are told, except through him. Jesus, the light of the world, lighting the path to a right relationship with God. And that's why John 1, 9 says the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That's what I'm celebrating this year. That's why I celebrate life. It's not a birthday party for Jesus. It's a welcome to the king into our world. You are lighting the path back to our God. So Jesus was that promised Messiah, promised by prophets, heralded by angels, and worshipped by men. Right now, Gabe, why don't you bring up your team again? Found a crazy story about a customer who was enraged called up customer service to complain about a power outage after a big storm. And he actually asked a dumb question. He actually asked the customer service rep, well, how am I going to know when the lights are going to be on? The customer service rep kind of thought about that. How do I answer that question? And finally said, well, sir, it'll be brighter than it is now. The, the, The customer in rage hung up on the customer service rep. Let me ask you, as we close out today, are you, have you been struggling in the dark? Have you finally come to a realization that you have lost power in your life? This morning as we close, there is a way for it to become much brighter in your life now than what it was once Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he is now available for you who seek him with all your heart. God is the one who said, let there be light. And I pray that today you will respond to that command and allow the Son of God to bring that light into your life this Advent season. 
If you're here amongst us, you know that right behind you is a pouch uh, in, in the back of your chair, and there's a card that says, I accept Jesus. And if that is true for you today, if you have accepted Jesus into your life, saying, I know that I need the light in order for me to find my way back to the Father, God, I need that light. Uh, you'll find a prayer that can guide your own thoughts. It's not magical words. They're just there to help you say your own prayer. And then we'd love to hear about your decision. And then to show you the steps of discipleship, the, the, the place of baptism and the life of a disciple, and continued spiritual growth and connection to the fellowship. And it just uh, it's a matter of you surrendering your life to the light of the world. You know, I love you, and I love serving as your pastor, and I... I invite you to make this a part of your life today, this light of the world that you can celebrate. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to finish out our service by singing a song, and then you will be dismissed. Remember, you can go out the south doors or the north doors. There's a little box that you can put your offering in and your little contact trace papers there as well. Thank you for being a part of this. Again, if you wanted to be a part of our drive through nativity, let me know, and we'll find a spot for you. Otherwise, just be well and let the light shine through you this week. God, thank you so much for giving us your word and for the story of the wise men that were seeking you. And they had the light of the world come into their life. Lord, you want to shine that light on this dark community as well. So, Lord, may your light shine through us so that people would be drawn, just like they are drawn by that star, that ginormous star that we have out there every year. Lord, that they would be drawn by your light to a life-changing relationship with you. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this time. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.